0: So, guys, welcome to another episode. I'm joined in studio with none other than Andrew Lofthouse. Andrew, how are you doing?
1: I'm very good. Thanks yourself.
0: Thank you for coming on the show. No, I, I'm fine. Um, so get, I get—I mean, I've never spoken to you before. It's the first one of me speaking to you. Um, yeah. I, Of course, there's a, everybody else who won the uh, mixed martial arts scene, especially here in the UK. But uh, because it's the first time of me speaking to yourself, um. I just want to like get just a bit of background about who you are, where you come from, and you know, just like a your background and how you got into the combat sporting scene.
1: Yeah, no worries. So I I currently coach at Manchester Top Team. I'm one of the the coaching team uh, with Carl Prince. Um, I got into combat sports at the age of 11 back in 2002, I think it was, 2003, into Thai boxing. I did like 15 years as a Thai boxer, fought all across the world, pretty high level. Um and then made the switch in two thousand and sixteen into MMA and I had i all went straight pro, no amateur experience. Uh had my first fight on Bama. I got my ass absolutely handed to me. Um and I fought on Cage Warriors and then unfortunately when I quit work back in two thousand and start two thousand and twenty. Okay. I worked as a builder, I quit work as a builder and within like the first two months I ended up like uh herniating a disc in my neck, which I had to have surgery on. So that was the end of my fight career.
0: I'm pretty sure it's, hear yeah, that like 2020 not long ago. I could, that's when we had the what people know at that time for as money because of the pandemic, and it was uh, just. It still feels like it was yesterday.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's gone really quick. I actually, I had the probably one of the last shows before the pandemic. It was on a. Uh, I can't remember was like. March 20th or something, I thought it was the week before the UFC card. It was supposed to be a UFC card and the UFC got cancelled. Mm-hmm. I thought the week before and then uh, that was it. There was a complete shutdown across the country, weren't there? Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm kind of jumping and the a little bit here. Um, it's something I would ask you, so let's say about 10 minutes into the, into the interview, but I mean, if you thought as in, just gone without any amateur experience, at least for in where makes martial arts is concerned. I mean, yeah, why isn't your name as in much more almost like a household name here in the UK? Because you know, in in the UK, on the UK scene, in the um the, say the small promoters, I've seen some of the fights, even if it's just 10 second clips, a lot of the fighters are very, very talented. And yet when yeah. when there's a really good show that's been hosted, when it's a really good fight entertaining fight that's taken place. The fighter, even from that, from the fighter up right up to the promoter, the person responsible for hosting the event, they do not get the proper recognition. The UFC can hold a really lousy event, and yet all the focus and attention for the next two to three days will be on the UFC. I yeah. Mean, it seems so unfair. That, that's really the point that I'm making.
1: Nah, it's the game in it, like... Well you could be a great fighter but if people are not invested in you as an individual then your name's not really going to be out there unless you've got to have both sides of entertainment at the end of the day and I wasn't really an outspoken fighter when I, when I was but in the tie boxing scene you can ask like the majority of people in the tie boxing scene and they'll know who I am because I was very outspoken but when I switched over to MMA I was I saw myself as a newbie in the game and I just stayed quiet and just got on with the work and you know the plan was to Come outspoken once I've got a good record behind me, but unfortunately that never comes to tuition So you know, I, I still uh, up north. People probably know me up north more so because you know within the the northern community, I am very vocal as well. But yeah, like I said, it's it's entertainment unless you have that exciting wow factor about you or story about you, then you kind of yeah. get left behind. Yeah.
0: Um. In your own honest opinion, I mean, you say you don't really compete professionally anymore, but you're still very young. Um, yeah. What do you think is the current state of the UK mixed martial arts and the combat sporting scene uh, uh, in the wider sense?
1: I think it's incredible. I think mm-hmm. the level is very, very, very high. I think I, when I started MMA, there was still... um like individual martial arts within MMA, whereas now as I think MMA is its own like its own martial arts coming into its own and the UK have got a real good um um youth system coming through. So if you look at like the between the ages of well even younger you can go down to ten years old. Some of the level at 10 years old is very high. Uh but the like the amateur level is probably at the level now that it was professionally ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I think the scene is it's in good hands. Um. obviously, the bigger it builds, the more problems it's going to have. But yeah. like in general, you know, it's you know, it's better than it's ever been.
0: Do you think because I'm kind of going to contradict something that um I, I might say later on in the interview, uh, but it's something that kind of something you said in, in the past interview that caught my attention. That's the reason why I wanted to speak to you and I want to know who yeah. this guy is. Um. Do you kind of think that maybe, is it that fighters probably um, are not accepting fights when it's presented to them, especially when they're very early on in, the, in their amateur or maybe professional careers? Or do you think that they're actually focusing on where the money fights are, the big money fights, are so they focusing on opportunities for marketing? So at least, you know, once they're, they're done with the sport one, one way or the other, they still have some financial, um, financial help to fall back on, you know what I mean?
1: I think now people see a lot of things on Instagram, on YouTube. Like they see the glitz and the glam. They want a part of that. They want a bit of clout. They want they want people to look up to him. But they don't realize, like, to get there, the work has to be done. And I don't think a lot of them realize the level of work you have to put in and like sacrifice, dedication. Um, I think that's probably the issue with some of the younger generation, the amateurs. So when they get offered these fights, they kind of like, oh, I don't really want to have that fight because. What if I lose? What if this person says something about me? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you've just got to put the work in. Like, the end goal is big. The end goal is really big, but you've got to put the work in at the start to get there.
0: The price that's turned down the the uh, the bouts, Uh, if they really are having, they're still trying to build up their fight record, aren't they kind of advised? I mean, really, you're still in the really early stages of your career. Don't you think you should take the fight on? And who knows, you could win could win and even if you don't you don't win if people see your performance in the cage there and if it's very impressive very entertaining at least people will remember you for that you know it won't be all um doom and gloom if you don't come out the successor
1: yeah look your fans are your fans they're going to support you regardless whether you win or you lose um I th- like i said i think it's just the ego some people don't like their ego to be dented um but in this game, you've got to accept it sometimes. Like, it's the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Uh, as an amateur, I think everyone should just fight everyone. You should be really active, having, like, multiple fights every year. Like, you should be... Ideally, as an amateur, you should be getting 20, 30 amateur fights under your belt. But, you know, like, within the space of two or three years, you shouldn't have to be, like, a five-year amateur career. You don't need any of that. Um, Yeah, I think you should just stay active. Uh, as you obviously as you turn to professional, then you are your own business at the end of the day. So you have got to be careful of some of the fights you take. It's got to be at the right time. You can't be going into fights with injuries. Um, You've got to build your stock as a business. Uh, And obviously that's how you get onto the bigger stages, the bigger pay, that sort of thing. So I understand it as a professional amateur. I don't think there's any excuses.
0: I mean, I think in the Far East, of for promotions of such as one championship, and when I heard this with, for the first time, I really was taken aback because there's so many fights for any human being to take at any time. But there, it's not unheard of. But that a fighter can take take in one year is it probably fifty to close to hundred fights in in that. 100.
1: Yeah, that's what happens. That's standards. when I used to fight in the world championships over in Thailand with Thai boxing, like you compete against the Russians, the Belarusians, Ukrainians, and these guys had to have like a minimum of fifty fights a year to even be like go to the national trials. So like when you hear of amateurs having two fights over here in a year, it's just like what's the point? Go and get a day job, go and earn money elsewhere. Cause if that's if that's what you're doing, then you you're not gonna make a profession out of this, in my opinion.
0: No, I agree with everything you said. And these days, it's very um, rare to come across someone who will tell you the truth about something that can, you know, say if you're fighting the UFC or um, you're fighting in a big promotion, but I think maybe you're kind of distracted by all the glamour that uh, probably you want to fight to so win to get all these um, sponsorships and all this praise and lots. So lots of recognition, recognition in the press. I think people get distracted by them, probably they probably forget about all the sweat and blood that goes in behind the scenes or so. Yeah percent yeah
1: it's honestly it it's tough it is really tough the game is not easy at all um like we have some very high level fighters at Manchester top team and we see the dedication that they put in and the sacrifices they make and you know, if people if you had a camera on you twenty four seven and you you showed all the bad stuff, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, "I don't want to get into that." Mm. <laughs> but like, nothing in life, were nothing in life that's like really rewarding comes with ease. Like yeah. you, you have to work for everything. If everything was easy, then it wouldn't be valuable, would it? It's just, like mm-hmm. I've heard the same before. Like. People like I want a six pack. I want to get it easy. Why does it have to be easy? Why do you have to like? Why do you not want to go through that struggle? Why do you not want to earn the right to have a six pack? Like, if everyone had one, it wouldn't be valuable, would it? So,
0: no, uh nothing good comes easy. No. Comes easy
1: you know, all all. Like that. diamonds are made under pressure, aren't they?
0: So, <laughs> um, so another thing that you that came up in the interview that I, that I listened to, um, you said the marketing of certain athletes. Um, Of course, if you market yourself well, you can go far. But I think that's after you pass a certain point. Uh, Kind of like when you earned your stripes and paid your dues. Yeah. Um, Would you say that... Let me rephrase the word I'm going to say slightly differently. Um, I think it's kind of known, of course, if you don't market yourself properly well, then you may not go far people may not know who you are so well. And yeah. Um, yeah. so when it comes to like fighting in the future, you're not gonna have many eyes on the, on the sports. So therefore, pay per view to be done, and so on and so forth. But um, would you say that sort of thing applies to athletes such as GSP and say Khabib? Because I know you can talk about Conor McGregor, but these guys—they uh, got they won far more fights than they lost, and somehow they still managed to achieve that huge following.
1: I, th- I think it's down to being real. Like mm-hmm. if you, if you're a real individual, you can still be yourself and be very quiet and still promote yourself. It doesn't have to be in the sense of like, you don't have, to, not everyone has to be Conor McGregor that gives it like the loud mouth puts on the entertainment Like, Real respects real, doesn't it? And people respect you. If they can see the truth, like if, if you're very fake, it's, you know, real people see it a mile off. Um, so, I, I, I advise our lads to understand who they are, have their own identity. Everyone's different, you know, and run with it. Be confident with it. Be confident who's, who they are as an individual. And, you know, they'll go far with it. You start pretending to be someone else or trying to look up to someone else and portray yourself as them, then that's when you get found out.
0: <laughs> no, no, because I think uh, the same can be said for perhaps Kobe Covington. I think it's not uncommon that I think at one point he was told by the UFC, look, if you don't change your demeanour, if you don't change just your overall image, then whether you lose this fight or win, we're casting the contracts, we're getting rid of you or something like that. And I think just overnight, he changed completely and became this sort of annoying yeah. bad boy. So, Yeah, but you you can see when it's fast, can't you? Like, mm-hmm. Of
1: course, yeah. You can see when it's fast. But have like yeah you said Khabib, he was always real to himself, real to the people around him, so that's why he did so. And he smashed everyone in life. Uh mm. even though Connor's Connor's Connor, but like for so long he that you know that is him. And people say it about Lewis McGrillen. People see it. You know Lewis McGrillen from our gym? The flyweight?
0: No, I I am so rubbish with the names, but if I see a picture of him that it rings a bell. It rings a bell. The
1: little the little ginger kid that knocks everyone out just fought on pfl newcastle
0: yes yes no no, no yes. yes no i remember at the face off i remember he was saying to his, uh, his, his opponent he'll be surprised he'd be, and well listen he wasn't missing his uh, words I, I so at all. <laughs> but
1: you do you do get a lot of people say like this this little conor mcgregor wannabe in that but you know that is real that is real like him fighting that is there's so many demons in life for kids from council estates um like, that's where he's releasing all his demons, like, the reason he's not in jail is because he uses that platform to release them demons inside him and get them stresses out, so, you know, he he's genuinely 100% real, he doesn't try to be anyone else but but himself.
0: Um, well, still, there's still so many things I want to ask, I'm just hoping that, have you got the time?
1: I have, as much time as you want, mate. Ah,
0: uh, look, um, so, you mentioned about the, um, uh, Being like the character in terms of the marketing, um, somebody such as Paddy Pimbler now, this I'm kind of moving into the health aspect, which is still, I'm sure, really relevant to what you do as a coach. Yeah, um, this ballooning up, (laughs) slimming down in between fights, would you say that's uh, something healthy for, for at least, okay, for a fighter to do?
1: Not at all. Uh, I don't have the education and that side of thing. but if I if I was to put my money on it, I'd say it's more um, you know, like a eating disorder. I think with the likes of Paddy Pimler, even myself, you know, cutting weight at a young age and seeing these other fighters do it, I genuinely think it's a bit more of an eating disorder than anything else. Like because you're forced to cut weight at such a young age and you're missing out and you're craving things and the when you get the chance, you just you have that you just want to eat everything like to the point where you'll make yourself sick and then you'll eat more again. You know, like I don't know the science behind it, but I, I'm, I'm sure there's something there with a lot of these fighters that balloon after fights.
0: Really, you think? Well, okay, it's uh, though he's still young, you do believe that at some point, if he continues like, like, like the way he's going, it will have some detrimental effects on his system.
1: Uh, possibly. Who knows? Who knows? Because you know, you hear about these people who have smoked. Like you know, they're hundred years old and smokes all life, and it's you know every, each individual's different in it. So you know the the risk, there is big risk there. Like yo, you're dating, um, yeah. So, yeah, he could, he could, but you know, he may be fine for the rest of his life. You never know, you know.
0: Because when you see him after a fight, it looks like he just. Balloon does something that you think takes at least a good few months to do to put on that much unhealthy size. He's done it just in two to three days. Yeah, I don't,
1: you know, I think it's like I said, I think it's like a form of comfort eating or something mm. like that. Yeah, it's got to be something because you know, I'm the same. I'm this, I used to balloon, not to that extent, but once I get like 24, 25 years old, then I used to like get a bit bigger after fights and stuff like that. Um, and I put it down to being at a young age and not being able to eat what other people eat, and doing these weight cuts and things like that, depriving yourself of something, put yourself into a bit of starvation mode, and that. And then when it's chance, you get chance to eat, you are just like, yeah, give me everything. <laughs> You've got to think any, yeah. any any good any 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 high level fighter has an obs- obsessive personality. You know, you have yeah, to have yeah. an obsessive personality to reach the top. Um, so we, yeah, I could say fighters get a bit obsessed about food as well.
0: Um as uh, someone who is okay now a coach, um, and you're obviously coaching and teaching, preparing other people coming up in the in the sport. For you yourself, what was the hardest part of preparing for the fight? Both, I mean, you can tell me physically, health wise, even mentally. Um, were you or, as in sometimes nervous, really, as in that walkout towards the cage, was the worst case scenario playing out in your mind, or was the best ca- um case scenario playing out in your mind?
1: Uh, best when i was walking to either a ring or a cage you know that, that was like playtime for me that's what i loved i hate i've always hated training uh and i'd again say probably because i started at such a young age and uh, I, like i did a lot of training like I, I, I genuinely didn't like it i started to hate training but i'd love to fight that was me and my release as well like when i was walking to a ring or a cage i'd be like yeah now i can do some damage and i, I won't go to jail for it i can i can have a good scrap um but you know, train it's def it's difficult mentally because you pick up many injuries during training and, and like sometimes you can train all the way up to a lead up to a fight and then a couple of days out your opponent will pull out and you know, sometimes you don't know where you stand in the sport. So, you know, I'd say mentally it's 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 hard and mentally and it can be hard physically if your coaches don't bring you like your camps right and your training programmes right. Um and then obviously diet is horrendous, isn't it? So
0: well, the weight cuts as in was that for years was that the worst part the most strenuous the most annoying part of the of the fight camp
1: yeah um the last twenty four I was used to but to be fair, I used to do it absolutely horrendously like I never really uh, I had good coaches but I never really had a good team around me
0: okay.
1: uh, as a fighter, okay. I had one or two individuals but no one was like educated so like since I've come into coaching um like i look into things a lot more and i can credit Carl for that Carl like encourage us to look into things and educate ourselves on things so we can make it easy as possible for our fighters um yeah so like we try and make it as easy as possible for our fighters now where they're not they're still getting the calories still getting good food in them uh so the process isn't that bad making that you know cutting weight in the bath we try and make that process nice and easy uh, but obviously, a few years ago, no one had a clue what they were doing, so you just used to like really kill yourself mm-hmm. to make weight.
0: No, I've heard of some, well, not just heard, but even seen some horror stories of people lost so much so much size that even on the weighing days, they've collapsed. And I heard of some horror stories of some people as young as 19, 20 who had strokes.
1: Yeah, well, I've, yeah. of, of, we've in the tie boxing scene, there's been a few casualties, unfortunately. With uh a young kid from Scotland called Jordan Co, I think like two thousand and sixteen or something. Two thousand he was only like eighteen years old. He was in Thailand cutting weight for a fight, was out running in a sweatsuit in the middle of the day and unfortunately he died um as a result of it mm-hmm. through dehydration and that. So you know there's been there has been casualties and people try and find the solution to weight cutting. Um like talking about same day weigh-ins and things like that. And that's just idiotic in my opinion. You got to think when pe- people are always going to cut weight. They're always going to cut weight, even with a hydration test. They do one championships. People are still cutting weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so to put the weight in on the same day, you're reducing the chances of them the replenishing the fluids in the body. Got to think you got fluid on your brain. So once you start stripping water out your body, you're going to strip the water of the- that protects your brain and all that sort of stuff. So if you're not given enough time after a weight cut to replenish your body with the fluids and electrolytes and things like that, then you're going to have serious injuries. Like again, even leading up to death into fights so you know what happens now um it's probably it's still bad but it's getting better more education that goes around coaches um, the weight cut process and the replenishing process will be much better for everyone but I think it is just about education I'd, 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 to be honest I I think I don't know if they are doing it but ema I'd love to see Ima do little courses around the country you know like with uh Paul Reed and People like that just educating people on how to cut weight properly and safely, and then how to like refuel and replenish, put the water back in the body. That that'd be good to see.
0: Today, you know, there's so many things going on. Uh, This sport usually, I think, used to be just about um, you as a fighter, your talent, your potential, and how well you perform inside the cage or or the ring. Where where are you going to fight? But now uh, we've got social media and you've got sponsorships and, and there's there's a lot more distractions going on um and this goes back to what what you said that message you put out in that last interview but what is the best advice you give to up and coming fighters so, you know those who are the amateur even very early very early on in the stages of their professional careers
1: i'd say get obsessed with the journey you have mm-hmm. to be like a lot of people see like i said see the end goal they see the glitz and the glam and they want that but it ain't about that. It's about the journey. You've got to be obsessed with the journey. You've got to love the process. Um, and then everything else just comes off that. But if you if your focus is on the goal and the destination, then more than likely you just, you're going to fall off and you're never going to reach it.
0: Would you say that bigger promotions, especially those such as the UFC, they kind of get away with kind of selling that glitz and glamour and even the hype instead of the actual fight itself?
1: they they have to it's business mm. they so for them there is a there's a core audience but you need to engage people that are not in your like in your realms you've got to reach out further and the way they reach out further is by putting on this glitz and glam this these vlogs these you know these promotion promotional events they have to do this it's a business at the end of the day if if say look for compare it to coca-cola if it was just about a can of coca-cola yeah. And you were just drinking a drink that wouldn't be as big as they are, but everything else around it sells the product.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a good answer. Um, also, you notice about um, how some of their fights, the judges have been kind of been making really awkward, bizarre decisions. And you watch the fight and you realize, oh, hold on, this person clearly won. Why did the, why did the win go the other way? As in, what's your opinion on pi- that?
1: Yeah, I think it's just an opinion. I think I, I genuinely believe that judging is an opinion. Uh, you have a criteria that you've got to look at, but what you know, what is the true definition of cage control? Like my perception of cage control might be completely different to yours. This is why we have so much division in society because the way we view things are completely different. So, you know, what we say to the fighters all the time is, you've got the skills, you've got the ability. Don't let the judges change, make the decision for you. You've got many routes to win. You can knock them out, you could submit them, you know, you can put on a real good, but why make it a 50 50 fight and give them the chance to turn it? They, you know, go against you. So you go in there and do your job and get them out of there. You know, it's in, the, it's in the fighters' hands to start with. Don't let someone else make a decision for you.
0: Do you not think that maybe the people who are going to be judges sitting on that panel watching the fight, they're making the overall decision, uh, conclusive um, decision at the, at the end of the fight? Shouldn't they be people who at least they have some combat sports background and skills themselves? Because I'd, I... I disagree. I disagree with that.
1: Really? I think, because, yeah, I also, but I'm not a big believer in that. Someone that has never done the sport can't be a coach because you have a different perception. Because you've got to think, if you if you was a if you was a fighter, then I like in reality you're gonna favor something over something else. So then you've got an unbiased opinion, then, aren't you? subconsciously you as a thai boxer I I'll I'll, look, I'll prefer thai boxing compared to jujitsu, or to wrestling because that's what I've always done so um, like subconsciously I will always have a, like a bit of a biased uh, opinion on things and I'll see things a little bit it's like watching your friend fight in it even if your friends getting their ass swaps, you're still going to look for the good things that your friends doing rather than like the good things the opponents doing
0: and I yes, think that's
1: yeah. one of the issues of ex fighters being judges you know it's not true it's not a, an all-around scenario is it it's not like one statement's correct for all but like i believe that that could possibly you know be a big factor
0: it's very interesting that you take that stance because most people think well you should at least get someone who maybe they're not bidding in that sort of situation they're not bidding the cage they're not bidding the fight but someone who has knowledge that at least is somewhat relevant to what what they're what they're assessing. Whether they come from a jiu-jitsu background, wrestling background, some sort of combat sporting background, you'd have thought well they're the best person for the job. But you think otherwise.
1: Yeah, I think anyway. I think anyone can do it. If hmm. you got to think if you, if to pass the to pass, um, you know a, a judging cause, you you know you're gonna be have. High professional, high level professionals watching what you're doing and scrutinize, sorry, and scrutinizing what you're doing. Um, you know, you you're gonna watch enough hours of fighting to get a bit of an understanding of what's going on. So you know, I think anyone can do it.
0: Last but not least, um, what feels like one of the biggest fights of the year, at least one of many ways, already gone past the Adesanya versus Pereira fight, and uh. Israel proved a lot of people uh, wrong um, but the next one this is if it even happens at all Conor McGregor versus um, uh, Michael Chandler um, I was going to ask you, who do you think would win? Oh, oh do
1: you know what, I think McGregor might
0: win You do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was a couple of exchanges against Habib where he did really well and Chandler isn't the level of Khabib. Khabib had a route to win, and he's like perfected it. I Don't think Chandler has that. So, yeah, yeah. I well, think
0: Chandler maybe no, get on.
1: too, emo- not necessarily emotionally involved, but I think he'll try and he'll want to try and knock McGregor out. He's gonna try and throw some big shots, and he, you know, that's when he's gonna be most vulnerable.
0: Yeah, I think people have said, um, and I, I understand what they mean. He needs to control the amount of energy waste on his feet with the striking. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but beyond that, many questions have been raised. Even Shel Sonnen has said has kind of chimed in and said, Will the fight even happen? Because a date by now should have been set. And there's been no. Yeah, news about I'm one that of those all. people,
1: man. If, if it happens, it happens. It's great for the fans. If it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. There's plenty of other fights out there that can get everyone excited. And even out like outside of the top 15 now, you've got to look at some of the level outside of the top 15. Oh, you know it's high level. There's some great fights that are out there to be matched inside and outside of the UFC. So, you know, MMA's is in a good spot and it's interesting to see where it's going to go within the next 10 years.
0: When it does happen. I do wonder what sort of McGregor we're going to get. Is it the McGregor that's been partying and drinking for so long? Uh, Because you know he doesn't need to fight or compete in this particular fight. I mean, he's champion has made so much money. He's a staple name in the sport. In fact, he's a household name around the world. Um, So I mean, it's Michael Chandler that I think benefits the most from this fight, even though he himself is well known, but nowhere near as as Conor McGregor.
1: Yeah, I think I remember Luke Barnett, Luke Barnett did a podcast not long ago and he's like, he did once he'd like his career come to an end, he was like what's next and I think that's where McGregor's at at the moment, he's he's, he's achieved what he's obviously set out to achieve at the start and then it's like, like what's next, he's constantly trying to fill that gap that's you know, that we, as uh, when he was trying to become a champion, he you know, he had an ambition he had a dream, he had a goal to get to and then once he gets there, then what fills that gap what fills that void, how do we how do we get that buzz again Uh, Mm -hmm. and you know like for myself I've been fortunate that I get the same buzz off coaching as I do fighting you know it took a little while but now I'm like fighting I'm not interested anymore I'm genuinely not interested in fighting anymore I'm happy to coach I get the same buzz off it the same throw when they win you know I get really I take it really personally if they lose and I'll I'll be soaking for days you know so I'm and I think fighters have got to find that. You're very lucky if you find that early on in your career. Yeah. I'd advise young fighters as well. Like fight fighting's your passion, mm-hmm. but find something that can match that as well. Because yes. if you find something that matches that passion at the same time, that then when if you don't achieve what you want to achieve, or you don't, or you reach them goals, and you need to find something else to fill that void, then you know it's there. You're not searching to find out who you are after <clears> fighting.
0: <throat> Last but by no means least, because I'm sure definitely um I want to have you on the show again. I want to <laughs> <laughs> um any shout outs you want to give to um give to anybody out there?
1: I'll give a big shout out to all the Manchester top team lot You know, this year has been a, a big year. Um we've had multiple fights on uh, PFL. Uh we've fought we've got a couple out on Bellator in uh, out in May, um Kane Mooser and Saul Rogers, and we've got like Maybe like 15, 20 people fighting in April as well. So, you know, it's a big team. So shout out to the whole team smashing it at the moment.
0: So the list is almost endless, like you could say. Yeah, constantly, constantly. I'm,
1: I'm actually, I've got a week left before I I'm, I'm have a couple of weeks off because um, my missus is expecting the third child. So uh, I'm going to have a couple of weeks off, but then, yeah, straight back to it. And I'm sure she'll hate me even more by the end of the year.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. <laughs> Guys, um if you did enjoy the show, please don't forget to leave a like and don't forget to subscribe. You can also catch the show on the audio platform, Spotify, Apple, iTunes and Google Podcasts. Andrew, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Thank you. No Take care.
1: Yes. See ya. Bye.